Blog Talk Radio. All right, sports fans, how's everybody out there doing? William Martin coming at you one more time here on blogtalkradio.com with another edition of the 300 Pounds of Sports Knowledge Show. As always, I want to take this time out to thank all of you fine folks out there for tuning in this evening. And as always, the guest call-in number is going to be 626-231-0309. I repeat, 626-231-0309. And on this wonderful evening of October 8th, 2017, I can gladly once again tell the world that Miss Runner's baby boy is back on the air. Now, it's week five in the National Football League season, and there is plenty, and I mean plenty, of good excitement going around in the NFL as we are beginning to see who the pretenders are and who the real contenders are for the Super Bowl crown. And there was a contest today that could go a long way in determining who will advance to the Super Bowl out of the NFC. And you had the 3-1 and Green Bay Packers traveling to AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas, to take on the 2-2 and Dallas Cowboys. And, of course, whenever you think of Packers-Cowboys, you think of some memorable matchups throughout the years, and you also think about some legendary figures in this game. Reggie White, Bart Starr, Brett Favre, Troy Aikman, Roger Staubach, Don Meredith, Bob Lilly, just to name a few. And, of course, there were some future Hall of Famers on the field this afternoon for both of these clubs. Now, the Cowboys got the scoring going early in the first quarter when they took the opening kickoff and marched down the field on a 12-play, 75-yard drive, which ate up more than six and a half minutes worth of game clock. And it was capped off when quarterback Dak Prescott found wide receiver Cole Beasley from two yards out to give Dallas the early seven to nothing advantage. Green Bay would come right back and respond when quarterback Aaron Rodgers found wide receiver Devontae Adams from ten yards out to make it seven to six. However, Packers place kicker Mason Crosby would miss the extra point and the score would remain seven to six. Moving on to the second quarter. Dallas put together another time-consuming drive, which is capped off when Prescott found Cole Beasley again, this time from five yards out, to give the Cowboys the 14-6 advantage. Dallas was able to extend their lead midway through the second quarter on another time-consuming drive, and it ended when Prescott found veteran wide receiver Des Bryant from 10 yards out to make it 21-6. to six. However, just before the first half ended, the Packers put together a 13-play 75-yard drive, which is capped off by a 7-yard run from running back Aaron Jones. However, Crosby would once again miss the extra point, and the Packers would go to the dressing room down 9 points at the half. Now, it was 21-15 to 15 in favor of of Dallas heading to the fourth quarter. And on the first play of the fourth quarter, Rodgers found wide receiver Jordy Nelson from 10 yards out to make it 22 to 21 after Crosby was able to succeed on this extra point. And this was a time-consuming drive here for Green Bay 
as they had 14 plays, 88 yards, and it ate up nearly eight minutes of game clock. Now, a Dan Bailey 43-yard field goal would once again give Dallas the lead at 24-22, to and Green Bay would come right back as um, uh, Demarius Randall returned an interception 21 yards to the house to give the Packers the 28-24 to advantage. Green Bay would go for the two-point conversion, and they were unsuccessful as Aaron Rodgers missed a wide-open Jordy Nelson in the back of the end zone. Now, the Cowboys would respond as they put together a 17-play, 79-yard drive, which included them being successful on fourth down as it ate up nearly nine minutes of game clock, and the drive ended when Dak Prescott called his own number and scored on an 11-yard run to give Dallas the 31-28 to lead. However, Dallas left too much time on the clock for one Aaron Rodgers as he marched Green Bay down the field on a nine-play, 75-yard drive, and it was capped off with just 11 seconds remaining when he found Devontae Adams again from 12 yards out to give the Pack the 35-31 to lead. Dallas was valiant to try to come back and win the game, but they simply ran out of time, and thus they lost at home today to the Pack by the score of 35-31. to And you look inside of the numbers in this contest, Dallas dominated the time of possession as they had the football today for more than 35 minutes, but they simply could not seal the deal. Individually, Dak Prescott was 25 of 36 passing for 236 yards with 251 yards passing with three touchdowns and a pick. While the Cowboys did have 163 yards on the ground with 116 of those coming from Ezekiel Elliott. But the Green Bay Packers simply keep finding guys to play running back. As today it was Aaron Jones as he had 125 yards on the ground on 19 carries and as a team. The Packers had 160 yards rushing. Now, Aaron Rodgers was 19 of 29 passing for 221 yards with three TDs and no picks while he was sacked four times by this Dallas defense, while Devontae Adams stepped up this afternoon as he had seven grabs for 66 yards and, of course, those two touchdowns. And you look inside of this game, and this was a statement game for the Green Bay Packers because obviously we know that them going down – to Arlington uh, last season and beating the Cowboys in the playoffs was no fluke, especially when you have number 12 under center. And we saw once again this afternoon why Aaron Rodgers is one of the best to not only be playing in this era, but to do it all time. Because the bottom line is if you give Aaron Rodgers enough time, he will find a way to put his team in a position to either tie the game or win it. And of course we saw this afternoon or this evening, rather, that Aaron Rodgers had enough time and he went down there and he won the game for his team. Now, on the flip side for the Dallas Cowboys, this was a game that you really needed to win, but unfortunately they could not do it. Uh, Everything was set up for the Cowboys to win. Mason Crosby missed a pair of extra points. The Pack also had to go for a two-point conversion, and they were unsuccessful. And this Dallas defense, which has shown improvement this year, couldn't get it done once again today. And that's two weeks in a row now that the Dallas Cowboys could not stop the run on their own home field. We saw it last week against the Los Angeles Rams, and then, of course, we saw it today for the Green Bay Packers. So Dallas has to find a way to shore up their run defense real quick, or they will not be making the playoffs here in 2017 now you look ahead 
to week number six for both of these clubs. Green Bay will once again be on the road when they will remain within the NFC North as they will take on the Minnesota Vikings while the Dallas Cowboys head into their bye week. Now, moving right along, you had the 3-1 and one Buffalo Bills traveling to the Queen City of Cincinnati to take on the 1-3 Bengals. And up until this point, the Bills have been one of the Cinderella teams here in 2017, and they were looking to keep the magic going. However, it was the Bengals who struck first when quarterback Andy Dalton found his BFF and wide receiver A.J. Green early in the first quarter, and these two connected on a 77-yard touchdown pass to give the Bengals their early 7 to nothing advantage. Now, it was 10-3 to in favor of Cincy late in the second quarter when Buffalo quarterback Tyrod Taylor found wide receiver Brandon Tate from 12 yards out to knock the score at 10 apiece. Now, Buffalo took a 13-10 to advantage to the fourth quarter, but that's when the Bengals' offense got it going as they put together a seven-play, 75-yard touchdown drive, which was capped off by a five-yard TD run from running back Joe Mixon. Now, it was 17-16 to in favor of Cincinnati later on in the fourth quarter when Randy Bullock was able to give them some extension as he connected on his fourth, pardon me, his second uh, field goal of the game to give Cincinnati to four-point edge. Buffalo did have a chance to drive down the field and win the game, but Tyrod Taylor was picked off by Bengals defensive back George Iloka, and Cincinnati was able to go on this afternoon and seal this contest by the score of 22-16. And you talk about the Bills defense so far this season and how they've been very stingy in, in regards to their opponents. Cincinnati took a page out of Buffalo's book today as they limited the Bills' offense to just 221 yards. Tyrod Taylor was 20 of 37 passing for a buck 66 with one TD and one interception, but he was sacked six times by this Bengals defense. LaShawn McCoy has been running roughshod over his opponents so far this season, but this Bengals defense shut him down too as he was limited to just 63 yards on 19 carries. Andy Dalton did throw two interceptions, but he was able to overcome that, and a big part of that was the fact that this Cincinnati defense was lights out. He was 22 of 36 passing for 328 with a TD and two picks, but the big guy today was A.J. Green as he had seven receptions for 189 yards and, of course, the TD. And I tell you like this, kudos to the Bengals because a few weeks ago they looked like a defeated team. Cincinnati was 0-3, and they were heading in the wrong direction. But ever since the Bengals made the change, when Ken Zampezi was fired as their offensive coordinator and he was replaced by Bill Lazor, the Bengals' offense has looked so much different in their past three games. I mean, you know, they, they gave Green Bay all that they could handle in week number two before they lost late. And then, of course, you know, they got their first victory of the season last Sunday against the Cleveland Browns, and now they're able to keep that momentum going. So, you know, sometimes, you know, you can get off to that slow start or you can be in a slump like the Bengals were, and you just need a break here or a break there to get things turned around in the right direction. And luckily for the Bengals, their break was was facing the Cleveland Browns last week. So, you know, it has given them the opportunity to get on track. And who knows what Cincinnati can do for the remainder of the season. Now, on Buffalo's side, you know, this team, they've been playing good. 
And this was another game that they had right there for the taking. They simply could not get over the hump. And, you know, the Buffalo offense really relies on their defense, putting them in good field position and running the football effectively with LaShawn McCoy. And this is a credit to that Bengals defense because they not only shut down LaShawn McCoy, they shut down this entire Buffalo offense today. And you saw that to the tune that they racked up six sacks on one Tyrod Taylor. So credit to Marvin Lewis and his coaching staff for keeping the ship righted with his team. And now there is potential for Cincinnati to do much better things for the remainder of the season. Both of these teams will have their bye weeks in week number six. So it's an opportunity for them to sit back and reflect and look to get going for the second half of the season. Folks, as always, the call-in number is going to be 626 231 Zero three zero nine. I repeat, six two six two three one zero three zero nine. Now moving right along, you had the two and two Jacksonville Jaguars traveling to take on the three and one Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh came into this game favored by seven and a half points, and generally, whenever the Steelers come in favored big. It always blows up on them. Now, it was 3 to nothing in favor of Pittsburgh after one quarter when Jacksonville's offense got going, and they looked to the rookie running back and Leonard Fournette to get them on the board as he scored from two yards out early in the second quarter to give the Jags the 7-3 to three advantage. Now, it was 9-7 to seven in favor of Pittsburgh midway through the third quarter when quarterback Ben Roethlisberger was picked off by Telvin Smith, who returned at 28 yards for the touchdown. Jason Myers would miss the extra point, and the Jaguars would have to settle for the 13-9 advantage. Later on in the third quarter, Roethlisberger was picked off again, this time by Barry Church, who returned at 51 yards for the touchdown to make it 20-9 in favor of the Jags. It was 23-9 in favor of Jacksonville late in the fourth quarter, when Leonard Fournette put this game on ice as he scampered for a 90-yard touchdown run to give Jacksonville the 30-9 to advantage. And Jacksonville would go on to pull off the shocker of the day as they went into Pittsburgh and got the best of the Steelers by the score of 30-9. to And you look inside of the numbers, Jacksonville had 231 yards on the ground today. Leonard Fournette, who was looking like the favorite to be the NFL Rookie of the Year on offense, had 28 carries for 181 yards with two TDs. On the flip side for the Steelers' offense, it simply was not there. Ben Roethlisberger was 33 of 55 passing, no touchdowns with five interceptions while he was sacked twice by this Jacksonville defense. Antonio Brown did have 10 receptions for a buck 57, but he was held out of the end zone, and this entire Steelers offense was held in check as they were flat-out embarrassed at home today by the Jaguars. And, you know, for me, it's the same old Steelers. I've been talking about this for several years. I can't understand why Pittsburgh consistently plays down to the level of their competition. And the Steelers just have the feeling, you know what, we're going to put our cleats on the field and we're going to go out there and take care of their business, take care of business. You can't do that, especially against a Jacksonville team that you can see that there is a culture change in progress within that organization. It started when you brought back former head coach Tom Coughlin to work within the front office, 
and you could see that because his first draft pick was Leonard Fournette this year. And if you, if you follow Tom Coughlin's coaching career, whether it was at Boston College, whether it was with the Jags, or whether it was with the New York Giants, he has always put a focus on running the football. Jacksonville right now on both sides of the ball, they have an attitude in the trenches, and that is something that they have not had since Jack Del Rio was their head coach. And they have focused on the running game. They've dedicated themselves to the running game, and that is why they have three victories so far this season. Blake Bortles only attempted 14 passes today, and any time that you have a quarterback that you have reservations about as far as him protecting the football, a running game is his best friend. And because of that, and because of the fact that Jacksonville can play D, they are not going away anytime soon. Hands down, this was the worst game of Big Ben's career. And if you're the Steelers, I said it after the Chicago game, you got to try to find a way to get on track. They came out and they showed it in flashes last week against the Baltimore Ravens and they eked out a victory. But for you to come back home today and lay an egg like this against the Jacksonville Jaguars, I don't know what to say. At this point, if it's Pittsburgh, you know it's gut check time because you know, you know, you talked about trying to get home field because, you know, you're tired of having to go to New England and, and the Kansas Cities of the world and the Denvers of the world to face them in the playoffs. This is how you do it. You win the games that you are supposed to win. They didn't do that today. And I look at, I look at uh, Pittsburgh like this. At some point, New England is going to get on a roll. We see what Kansas City is doing in the AFC West right now. So because of that, once again, you probably are good enough to win the AFC North, but you're, you're doing a disservice to yourself because you're going to be playing in the first week. You're not going to get that rest. You're not going to get that bye. And that's going to change everything as far as the tenor goes for this team. So I really don't know what to say for Pittsburgh right now. Once again, they let a golden opportunity slip through their hands as they simply were not ready to answer the bell today. They got out physical on both sides of the football. And it isn't that often when you refer to the Pittsburgh Steelers and, and, and the fact that they got out physical, but if you ever get a chance to go back and watch the game, the game film from today, you could see it. Jacksonville basically beat them up. There's no other way to say it. Jacksonville beat them to the point, and that is why the Jaguars deserved to win. Now, you look ahead to week number six for both of these teams. Jacksonville will be at home next Sunday to host the Los Angeles Rams, while Pittsburgh will be on the road to face the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, staying in the great state of Pennsylvania, you had the 3-1 and Philadelphia Eagles looking to stay atop the NFC East, and they would need to fend off their former NFC East foes in the 2-2 two two Arizona Cardinals. Philadelphia did not waste any time getting the scoring going as midway through the first quarter, quarterback Carson Wentz connected with Trey Burton on a 15-yard touchdown pass to give Philly the 7 to nothing advantage. Later on in the first quarter, Wentz would find tight end Zach Ertz from 11 yards out as Philadelphia was able to extend their lead to 14 to nothing. And just before the first quarter ended, Philly kept 
the machine going as Wentz found wide receiver Torrey Smith from 59 yards out to make it 21 to nothing. Arizona did attempt to make it a game as early on in the second quarter, quarterback Carson Palmer found wide receiver John Brown from 13 yards out to make it 21 to seven. But that is as close as the Cardinals would get this afternoon as Philadelphia dominated them in every aspect of the game. And they went on to win this contest today by the score of 34 to seven. The Eagles dominated the time of possession as they possessed the ball today for nearly 36 minutes. And a big reason for that was the fact that they were nine of 14 on third down. And if you have that high a conversion rate on third down, you are going to beat just about every team that you face in the NFL. Carson Wentz was an efficient 21 of 30 passing for 304 yards with four TDs, and he did have one interception. Philadelphia did have 122 yards on the ground, with 74 of those coming from one LeGarrette Blunt. On the flip side for the Arizona Cardinals, Carson Palmer was running for his life all afternoon versus his Eagles defense as he was 28 of 44 passing for 291 yards with a TD while he was also sacked twice. And for Philly right now, they are the team to beat in the NFC East. Make no mistake about it. You look at the Eagles, they finished last in the NFC East last year, but like I said, it was very deceptive because they were 7-9. and nine. And now if you're Philadelphia, you, you came into the season – you had a lot of momentum. Carson Wentz took his lumps last year as a rookie, yes. But, you know, you had a last-place schedule. And, I mean, at the same time, they still got to go out there and face the teams that they have to face. And they've done a great job in a very short period of time as far as putting talent around Carson Wentz on both sides of the ball. You use your first-round pick on Derek Barnett, a defensive end out of the University of Tennessee. You sign veteran running back LeGarrette Blunt in free agency, and this guy has won a pair of Super Bowl championships with the New England Patriots. Then you sign a veteran wide receiver in Alshon Jeffrey. You sign another veteran in Chris Long to play defense who just helped the Patriots win a Super Bowl last year. So when you get guys like that in your locker room, it changes things. There's a lot of talent on this Philadelphia team, and as the teams behind them, and the NFC East are struggling, Philadelphia is looking real good, not only to win this division, but to also do some big-time damage when the postseason rolls around. Now, on the flip side for Arizona, what can you say? I mean, they're going to be up and down all season long, especially, you know, without, you know, having the services of running back David Johnson because he really set the tone for offense for what they could do. Carson Palmer, he doesn't have that much left in the tank at quarterback. And, you know, we all, we've already seen a guy who was a mobile when he was in his prime. So now when he's in the latter stages of his career and teams are really going to pin their ears back and come after him, he's really going to be running for his life and then some. So I, I really don't think that the outlook is going to be good for Arizona here in 2017. Now looking ahead to week number, uh, week number six for both clubs, Arizona will be back home to host the Tampa Bay Buccaneers while the Philadelphia Eagles will have a short turnaround as they will be on Thursday night football to travel to take on the Carolina Panthers. Folks, as always, the call-in number is going to be 
626-231-0309. I repeat, 626-231-0309. Now at the Meadowlands at MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey, you had the winless Los Angeles Chargers taking on the winless New York Giants as something had to give this afternoon. And the Giants got things going when they scored on a safety early on in the first quarter to give them the two to nothing advantage. Later on in the first quarter, the Giants would score on offense as this time it was running back Orleans Darqua who punched it in from 23 yards out to give New York the nine to nothing advantage. However, San Diego would come back and on their ensuing drive, they put together an eight play 77 yard drive, which was capped off when quarterback Phillip Rivers found running back Melvin Gordon from six yards out to make it nine to seven. The Chargers took a 10 to nine lead into the locker room at the half and midway through the third quarter, the Giants once again got in, out in front when quarterback Eli Manning found wide receiver Roger Lewis from 29 yards out to give the Giants the 16-10 to 10 lead. However, that lead was short-lived as on the Chargers' next drive, Rivers would find tight end Hunter Henry from 25 yards out, and this capped off a 12-play 92-yard drive to put the Chargers back in front by the score of 17-16. to New York would respond early in the fourth quarter when Manning found wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr. on a 48-yard touchdown pass to give New York the 22-17 to lead as they would fail on the two-point conversion. Now, the Chargers would get a field goal to cut it the 22-20, to and this game changed at the four-minute mark when Manning threw a pass to Beckham and he went up for it and he was hit and came down on that already bad ankle and he was writhing in pain and had to be carted off the field. And I'll get to that in a minute. And on the next play for the Giants, Eli Manning fumbled. It was recovered by Melvin Ingram of the Chargers, which set up Rivers to connect with Melvin Gordon once again, this time from 10 yards out to give the Chargers a 27 to 22 lead. And Los Angeles would hold on this afternoon for the 27-22 victory. Now you look inside of the numbers, it was not a pretty day for Phillip Rivers as he was 21 or 44 passing for 258 yards or three TDs and a pick. But Melvin Gordon did have himself an afternoon as he had 105 yards on the ground while he also had 67 yards receiving. On the flip side for the New York Giants, Eli Manning, was 21 of 36 passing for two TDs and a pick while he was sacked five times by this Chargers defense. He was able to throw for 225 yards, but it was a long day for Mr. Manning, and I'll get to that because the Giants lost four wide receivers today. Brandon Marshall to an ankle injury, Sterling Shepard to an ankle injury, Dwayne Harris to an ankle to a broken foot, rather, and Odell Beckham Jr., to a fractured ankle. I don't care who you are. You're not going to beat anybody in the National Football League if you lose four wide receivers in one game. When the Giants were attempting to go out there and win the game late in the fourth quarter, Eli Manning had tight ends running wide receiver routes. He had three tight ends out there in each pass, pass play. You're not going to win like that. I don't care who you are. So, I mean, if you're the Giants, you still haven't won a game. I know people are going to look back at the fact that they had so many injuries at the wide receiver position today, but I'm going to say this. This is three weeks in a row where the Giants had a fourth-quarter lead 
and they blew it. And this is what got Tom Coughlin fired in 2015. And you can't blame everything on the fact that you lost the receivers because your defense had an opportunity to shut down the Eagles in the fourth quarter in week three, and they didn't do it. Your defense had an opportunity to close the door last Sunday on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they did not do it. And then, of course, with all of the injuries that the offense suffered today, somebody on that defense had to step up and make a play. Nobody. And I mean nobody did this. If you're the Giants, your season is over right now. And this is mid-October, not even mid-October. Your season is over. Now, heading into the 2016 season, Giants co-owner John Mara put general manager Jerry Reese on notice. And the Giants responded by going 11-5 and and making the playoffs as a wild card. And, of course, they were embarrassed by the Green Bay Packers in a wild card game. But I don't know how much more leeway that Jerry Reese has. And if the Giants don't show any fight between now and the end of the season, we're going to see wholesale changes. And if John Mara makes the decision that it's time to move on from Jerry Reese, everybody, and I mean everybody in that locker room needs to be put on notice because that means that you're coming in there with a new GM. He is not attached to anybody. That means Eli Manning as well. And if you get a new GM, he's going to want a new head coach. And if you get a new head coach, he's going to want his quarterbacks. I don't know what the Giants are going to do, but if the Giants keep going in the direction that they're going right now, we are going to see a totally different team take the field for Big Blue in 2018. Now, for the Chargers, what can you say? You found a way to win after giving away so many games through the first four weeks. So you got your first win as the Los Angeles Chargers. Now, hopefully, you're able to find a way to build off of that and get some momentum and make this 27 NFL season respectable for you. Now, looking ahead to week number uh, six, rather, for both of these clubs, The Chargers will once again be on the road, this time against the Oakland Raiders, while the Giants will find themselves on the road next Sunday night versus the Denver Broncos. Now you had the 2-2 Seattle Seahawks traveling to the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum to take on the 3-1 Los Angeles Rams. And it was 10-0 in favor of the Rams late in the second quarter when the Seahawks were finally able to put together a drive And it ended when quarterback Russell Wilson found tight end Jimmy Graham from four yards out to put Seattle on the board as they were down now 10-7. to And this was a 15-play, 75-yard drive, which ate up more than seven and a half minutes worth of game clock. This was a defensive battle throughout, and Seahawks safety Earl Thomas had a big hand in the outcome, but the Seahawks were able to go on the road this afternoon and get the much-needed 16-10 uh, to 10 victory. And like I said, this was not a pretty game, as Russell Wilson was 24 of 37 passing for a buck 98 with a TD and a pick while he was sacked three times. But this Seahawks defense really stepped up and shut down this Rams offense today. Jared Goff was 22 of 47 passing for 288 yards. He did not throw a touchdown while he was sacked twice, and he also threw two picks while this Seahawks defense really took it upon themselves to shut down 
Rams running back Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley, after torching the Dallas Cowboys last Sunday, was limited to just 43 yards today on 14 carries. But I talked about the big day that the Seahawks uh, defense had. Sheldon Richardson, the newly acquired Sheldon Richardson, rather forced, uh, rather recovered a fumble. Bobby Wagner had eight tackles. I talked about what Earl Thomas was able to do as he had a big pick. And on top of that, Sheldon Richardson got his first uh, career interception. So this was a defensive standoff, and the Seahawks were able to go on the road and come away with the victory. And for the Rams, these are the type of games that you got to try to find a way to win. And the reason why I say it is this. Everybody has begun, or not everybody, but some people have begun to sing the praises of this club because they were 3-1 and one and they were in first place in the NFC West. And there you have the Seattle Seahawks sitting right there, and they're saying, you know what, we still run things out here. So the Rams are coming, but they're not quite there yet. And Seattle really went out there to show the Rams, and they wanted to show everybody else to guess what? The road to the NFC West Championship still goes through the Emerald City. Now, you look ahead to week number six for both of these clubs. Seattle will have their bye week, while the Rams will be on the road to take on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Folks, as always, the call-in number is going to be 626-231-0309. I repeat, 626-231-0309. Now, moving right along, you had a battle of three and one teams. As you had the three and one Carolina Panthers traveling to Motown to take on the three and one Detroit Lions. And of course, a lot of controversy coming into this game was swirling around Carolina Panthers quarterback Cam Newton for his comments during the week and all eyes were going to be on him to see if it would be a distraction for not only him but the Panthers club so it was 3-3 after one quarter of play at Ford Field when the Lions scored their game's first touchdown and it was a one-yard run from Zach Zinner and this capped off a nine-play 78-yard drive which gave Detroit the 10 to 3 advantage. Carolina would immediately respond as they put together a quick five-play 75-yard drive and it was capped off when quarterback Cam Newton found rookie running back Christian McCaffrey on a shovel pass and McCaffrey scampered for the 6-yard score to not the score at 10 apiece. Just before the first half ended, Newton would find wide receiver Devin Funches from 10 yards out to give Carolina their first lead of the game at 17 to 10. And this was very, it was a very good move by Carolina. They were able to score just before the first half ended. They got the opening kickoff for the second half and they were able to sandwich halftime around a pair of touchdown drives because they marched right down the field to begin the third quarter on an eight play 75 yard drive. And it was capped off when Newton found wide receiver Kelvin Benjamin from 31 yards out to make it 24 to 10. Now it was 27 to 10 heading to the fourth quarter when the Lions were attempting to mount a comeback. Quarterback Matthew Stafford found tight end Darren Fells from four yards out to make it 27 to 17. Then Detroit would stop Carolina, get the football back, and once again it was Stan- it was Stafford to Fells 
this time from 20 yards out to make it 27 to 24. However, the Lions could not get the ball back as on a key uh, third down, Newton found Kelvin Benjamin for the first down. And because of the fact that the Lions were all out of timeouts, that was all that she wrote. And Carolina would go on to get the 27 to 24 victory this afternoon in Motown. And you look inside of the numbers, Cam Newton was 26 of 33 passing for 355 yards with three TDs and no picks while he was sacked three times. And credit to Cam Newton because this Lions defense really did a good job of taking away Carolina's running game as the Panthers only had 28 yards on the ground this afternoon. However, the passing game was there. Ed Dixon had a big game, the tight end for Carolina, as he had five receptions for a buck seventy-five. Matthew Stafford was 23 of 35 passing for 229 yards with two TDs and no picks, but he was sacked six times by this Panthers defense with Kawan Short leading the way with a pair of sacks. And I tell you like this, I knew this, that this was going to be a good game and it had the potential to be one of the better games of the afternoon because these are two evenly matched clubs. And you look at Carolina, and I was starting to believe in them. And then, you know, they had that setback a few weeks ago at home versus the New Orleans Saints. But then they were able to get back on track. They went to Foxborough last week, and they defeated the New England Patriots. And now Carolina is looking to get that momentum going. And not only are they looking to get it going, they're looking to keep it. And the Panthers – if they can consistently run the football, this has the makings of a very dangerous team. I think Carolina has what it takes to not only win the NFC South, but I also think that they have the makings of a team that could do some damage in January in the postseason. On the flip side for the Lions, this was another heartbreaking loss. I mean, the Lions are going to fight, scrap and claw, and do everything necessary. That's the type of team that we're seeing right here under head coach Jim Caldwell, and I think they embody the mindset of Matthew Stafford, who is the leader of this team. I mean, Stafford was out there playing hurt today. You saw him limping. He had his right ankle taped up heavily. This guy was out there basically on one leg, and he was trying to go out there and make it happen for his team. And even in defeat, you know, once the other 52 guys in the locker room see that, they're definitely going to go to battle with this guy. Now, for Carolina, it's a short turnaround as they are going to host the Philadelphia Eagles on Thursday night, while Detroit will be on the road next Sunday afternoon to take on the New Orleans Saints. Folks, as always, the call-in number is going to be 626 Two three one zero three zero nine. I repeat, six two six two three one zero three zero nine. Now in Oakland, you had the two and two Oakland Raiders who are hosting the two and two Baltimore Ravens. Both of these teams won their first two games of the season, and each one of them came into the contest today looking to end their two game losing streak. However, the Raiders were going to have to do it without the services of quarterback. Derek Carr. Now, it did not take Baltimore that long to score as they took the opening kickoff and marched down the field on a quick five-play, 75-yard drive, which is capped off by a two-yard run from Vince Mayo to give the Ravens the 7 to nothing advantage. Later on in the first quarter, 
Jimmy Smith recovered a fumble and returned it 47 yards to pay dirt as Baltimore was able to extend their lead to 14 to three. The score remained that way until early in the second quarter when Baltimore put together a 15-play, 75-yard drive, which ate up more than eight minutes of game clock and was capped off by a one-yard TD plunge from Buck Allen, which gave Baltimore the 21-3 advantage. Oakland would immediately respond when quarterback E.J. Manuel found wide receiver Michael Crabtree on a 41-yard connection to make it 21-10. to it was 24-10 to 10 heading to the third quarter when the Raiders made a game of it and they put together a 12-play, 66-yard drive, which ended when veteran running back Marshawn Lynch scored on a three-yard touchdown run to make it 24-17. to 17. However, Oakland would not get any closer this afternoon as this Ravens defense really stymied them, and Baltimore would go on to get the 30 Two seventeen victory, and the Ravens dominated the time of possession as they had the football for nearly 34 minutes today while they only had one penalty. And don't look now, Oakland only had three penalties, and typically that is something that does not come to mind when you are discussing a Raiders ball team. Joe Flacco was 19 of 26 passing today for Baltimore for 222 yards, did not throw a touchdown, and but more importantly, he did not throw a pick, and he was not sacked. Mike Wallace only had three receptions today for Baltimore, but they were big as he had 133 yards on those three grabs. This Baltimore defense did limit uh, Raiders quarterback E.J. Manuel as they sacked him three times as he was 13 of 26 passing for a buck 59. And I'll tell you like this, this is a credit to the Ravens because and, and their head coach, John Harbaugh. Because two weeks ago, Baltimore went to London and they were embarrassed by the Jaguars. They came back home last week, and they were consistently playing catch-up against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And they went out there, and they knew that Derek Carr was not going to be available for the silver and black. And they went out there, and they took advantage of it. And I give this Ravens club all of the credit for that. And on the flip side for the Raiders, the Raiders were game. The Raiders did indeed uh, give it everything that they had. But, you know, we see the difference that one guy can make for this football team. Baltimore is not the same team when they do not have Derek Carr on the center. We saw it coming down the stretch uh, in the regular season in 2015. Of course, we remember uh, when Carr suffered that leg injury. And, you know, it, it, it carried over into the postseason for the Raiders as they were one and done when they fell to the Houston Texans. And, you know, we saw it again today. I mean, E.J. Manuel has probably never had as much talent around him to work with as he does right now with the Oakland Raiders. But the, the, but the bottom line is he's not Derek Carr. There's no real nice way to say that, and this is not, you know, a slighted E.J. Manuel. He just – simply does not bring the same level enthusiasm and he simply doesn't inspire the guys in the same fashion but at the flips at the same time the Raiders have to play better you know that you you know you got your backup quarterback out there and he's going to go out there and try to give it his all as, as far as like trying to win the game you guys got to go out there and play better they did not do that today and because of that that is that is a big part of the fact why Oakland lost 
Now you look ahead to week number six for both of these clubs. Oakland will be at home to host the Los Angeles Chargers, while Baltimore will find themselves in week number six at home to take on the Chicago Bears. Folks, as always, the call-in number is going to be 626-231-0309. I repeat, 626-231-0309. Now, moving right along today, you had the 2-2 and Tennessee Titans traveling to South Florida to take on the 1-2 and Miami Dolphins. And theoretically, this was Miami's first home game of the year. Of course, their week one contest with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers was postponed due to the effects of Hurricane Irma, while the Dolphins did play in London last week against the New Orleans Saints, and the Dolphins were the home team. But this is really their first home game of the season. Now, it was 3 nothing late in the first quarter in favor of Miami, and there was a series of controversial plays. Titans quarterback Matt Castle connected with tight end Delaney Walker on a touchdown pass, which was called back for offensive pass interference. But on the replay, there was clearly no offensive uh, pass interference, which was committed on the part of Tennessee. On the ensuing play, Castle dropped back the pass, and as he was throwing, the ball came out due to a hit from Dolphins linebacker Kiko Alonso. Now, Rashad Jones picked up the football and ran to the end zone while some of the officials called the pass incomplete, but the, the, the whistle was never blown. At the same time, there were Dolphins coaches and players from the sideline on the field. The players then, oh, pardon me, the refs at that point then huddled up and ruled it a fumble and awarded Miami with a touchdown. And, of course, the play was reviewed And once the play was reviewed, the call stood because of the fact that it was a very close judgmental call. And since it was ruled as a fumble on the field, there was not enough evidence there for the officials to turn the call over. So at that point, it was 10 to nothing in favor of Miami. Now, it was 10 to three in favor of the Dolphins heading to the third quarter when the Titans got their first touchdown of the contest when Castle connected with Phillip Supernaw from 11 yards out to not the score at 10 early on in the fourth quarter. Dolphins quarterback Jay Cutler would connect with wide receiver Jarvis Landry from six yards out to give Miami the 16 to 10 advantage and Miami's defense would do the rest as the Dolphins would go on to win this contest today by the score of 16 to 10. Now, if you were a fan of offensive football, This was not the game for you. Tennessee had 188 yards of total offense, while Miami had 178. There was a ton of punting in this game. Tennessee was just 2 of 13 on third down, while Miami was 5 of 15. The individual numbers, of course, were not that pretty either. Matt Castle was 21 of 32 passing for a buck 41, while he was sacked six times. This Titans rushing attack was limited to just 69 yards on the ground. Jay Cutler was no better for the Dolphins, as he was 12 of 26 passing for 92 yards with a TD and a pick. But Jay Ajayi did carry some weight today, as he had 77 yards on the ground, as Miami did just enough to get their second victory of the season. And I know Adam Gase, the Dolphins head coach, has come out publicly and expressed his displeasure with his Dolphins offense 
it did not get any better today. And it got to the point that the fans in Miami were chanting for the backup quarterback and Matt Moore. Now, I was one of those guys who thought that the Dolphins would be able to keep some momentum going on offense this year just due to the fact that Jay Cutler was familiar with the offense of Adam Gase due to their time together in 2015 with the Chicago Bears. However, this Dolphins offense simply is not getting it done. But the one saving grace that I will say about Miami, they're 2-2. Two and two. They had that slow start last year. Maybe, just maybe at some point, everything will click and the Dolphins can get on a roll like they did last year. But I think if the Dolphins are going to be able to repeat what they did in 2016, it starts with the running game and Jay Ajayi. Now, on the flip side for the Tennessee Titans, this is one of those games that was there for the taking. And for the young Titans, they have to find a way to win this game. I know that Marcus Mariota was not there for them at quarterback, and they had to go with Matt Castle. But these are the type of games that you have to win, and you have to find a way to win if you are going to be able to take that next step as an organization. Now, you look ahead to week number six for both of these clubs. Miami will once again be on the road, this time against the Atlanta Falcons, while Tennessee will find themselves in week number six on Monday Night Football hosting the Indianapolis Colts. Now, moving right along, you had the 2-2 two and two New York Jets traveling to take on the winless Cleveland Browns, and this was a battle of which team would go out of their way to try to find a way to mess this up the most. It was 3 to nothing in the third quarter in favor of the Jets when the Browns scored the first touchdown of the game. Kevin Hogan, who replaced an ineffective Deshaun Kaiser quarterback for Cleveland, connected with tight end David Njoku from 21 yards out, and this capped off a 10-play 75-yard drive to give Cleveland the 7-3 to lead. Later on in the third quarter, the Jets would get their first touchdown of the game when Josh McCown found tight end Austin Safarian Jenkins from two yards out to give New York the 10-7 to lead. The Jets were able to extend their lead midway through the fourth quarter when McCown found veteran wide receiver Jermaine Curse from 24 yards out, and this capped off an eight-play 97-yard drive rather to give New York the 17-7 to lead. Hogan would attempt to rally the Browns as with just under two minutes left. He found Duke Johnson on a 41-yard touchdown pass to make it 17-14. to However, Cleveland would not get any closer this afternoon, and the Jets went on to win today by the score of 17-14. to The Jets were able to win in spite of the fact that they only had 212 yards of offense while they gave up 419 yards of offense to the Browns. And you look inside of the individual numbers, and this Jets defense was really teeing off on an ineffective Deshaun Kaiser today as he was 8 of 17 passing for 87 yards with no TDs and a pick, and he threw an interception in the end zone, which is never a good thing if you want to go out there and win the game. Kevin Hogan did attempt to rally this team as he was 16 of 19 passing for 194 yards or two TDs and one interception. But this Jets defense really put the clamps down this afternoon, and they went out there and they did what they had to do. And, you know, credit to the Jets and their head coach, Todd Bowles, because a lot of people talked about the Jets possibly tanking for the first overall pick. And after New York 
lost their first two games of the season. The Jets have rattled off three straight wins. And I know some people are going to say, well, the Dolphins' offense isn't there. Well, you know, it was the Jaguars. Well, it was the Browns. Guess what? You don't apologize for winning in the National Football League because, number one, the Dolphins were favored in that game against the Jets, and the Jets punched them in the mouth. They held serve last Sunday afternoon at home against the Jags, and now they went out there and beat a Browns team at home, and you knew the Browns are going to be desperate to try to go out there and get a victory, but the Jets went out there, and they did what they had to do. So credit to the Jets because they're not the New York team right now that looks like they're going to be picking a, picking in the top five of the draft. That honor, or that unfortunate honor, rather, you know, falls into the lap of the New York Giants. So the Jets right now, they're believing and they're playing together as a team, and the bottom line is an us-against-the-world mentality. Now, on the flip side for the Browns, what can you say? I mean, you're 0-5 again. You know, they they can call it whatever they want as far as a long rebuilding process. And I don't know what it's going to take because this is a young team. And I, I give them credit because just like last year, they fought, they scrapped, they clawed, they hung in there. But at some point, you want to try to be rewarded for all of the hard work that you're putting in throughout the week, and you want to get that victory. And they still have been unable to get that taste, and you want to get a victory because one win leads to two wins. Two wins lead to three wins, and that's what you have to do in order to change the culture in that locker room, and the Browns still have been unable to do it. Now, you look ahead to week number six of both of these clubs, Cleveland will be on the road to take on the Houston Texans, while the Jets will be at home to host the New England Patriots. And finally today, it was the winless San Francisco 49ers on the road in Indianapolis to take on the 1-3 Colts. And, of course, there was plenty of pomp and circumstance around this game. Why? Because former Colts quarterback Peyton Manning had his number retired at halftime as he was placed into the Colts' ring of honor. And this offense of uh, showcase today, and I'm putting it mildly from either team, was not something out of the Peyton Manning playbook, but the Colts began to distance themselves away from the Niners in this game in the second half. It was 9-6 to six in favor of Indy late in the third quarter when rookie running back Marlon Mack scored on a 22-yard run to make it 16-6. to six. Now it was 16-9 to nine in favor of the Colts early on in the fourth quarter when quarterback Jacoby Brissett uh, called his own number and scored on a three-yard touchdown run to extend the Colts' lead to 23-9. to However, San Francisco was game, and they came back as quarterback Brian Hoyer connected with fullback Kyle Juszczyk from six yards out to make it 23-16. to And with just 20 uh, seconds remaining in this contest, Hoyer would throw his second touchdown pass of the game, this time to rookie tight end George Kittle, from five yards out to not the score at 23 apiece. This game would go to overtime. Indianapolis would get the opening kickoff, and they were marching down the field before Brissett threw an interception. However, the Colts' defense stepped up, did what they had to do to get the football back to Brissett and the offense, and with just about a minute and a half left in overtime, Adam Vinatieri connected on a 51-yard field goal to give Indianapolis the 26 223 victory this afternoon at home. And you look inside of the numbers in this contest. Brian Hoyer was 29 of 46 passing for 353 yards with two TDs, no picks, while he was sacked twice by this Indianapolis defense. Jacoby Brissett 
was 22 of 34 passing for 314 yards with a TD, with, pardon me, with no TDs rather than a pick, while he was sacked four times by this Niners defense. Indianapolis was able to accumulate 90, 159 yards on the ground with 91 of those coming from rookie running back Marlon Mack. But I talked about this Niners defense, and they played game this afternoon as they sacked uh, Brissett four times. But in the process, San Francisco became the first NFL team in the Super Bowl era since the 94 Houston Oilers to lose four straight games by three points or less. And, you know, that just gives you an idea of how close the 49ers are. They're playing hard for first-year head coach uh, Kyle Shanahan. And granted, all of the pieces that are needed or will be needed to turn this franchise around obviously aren't there yet. But you could see that Kyle Shanahan is in the process of, you know, establishing his foundation with this club as far as getting things turned around. And the Niners, they are so close. They are fighting, they are scrapping, and they are clawing. And just like I just talked about with the Cleveland Browns, they just need to get the victories to kind of, you know, reward them for all of the hard work that they're putting in on a weekly basis. On the flip side for the Colts, what can you say? I mean, it wasn't pretty, but the bottom line is pretty doesn't count in the NFL. I've seen a lot of teams who have had pretty losses. You just want to go out there and do whatever you have to do to get the victory, and Indianapolis was able to do that this afternoon. Now you look ahead to week number six for both of these clubs. Indy will be on the road on Monday night when they will take on the Tennessee Titans, while San Francisco will find themselves next Sunday afternoon on the road versus the Washington Redskins. Folks, as always, the call-in number is going to be 626 231 0309. I repeat, 626 231 Now, you look ahead to the action for next week and week number six, and it starts off this Thursday night in what should be a very good battle between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Carolina Panthers. And I look at this game, you have two of the better quarterbacks in the NFL, and it's going to be up to the defenses to slow down these two clubs. And I I have a feeling that this won't be the only time that Philadelphia and Carolina will meet this season as they have the potential to face each other in January in the postseason. Now, next Sunday afternoon, you're going to have the Atlanta Falcons at home versus the Miami Dolphins. And for Atlanta, they will come into this game where they're opening up at least as a a 10.5-point favorite over Miami. The Falcons are coming off of their bye, and I guarantee you that their defense at home will be pinning their ears back to come after Dolphins quarterback Jay Cutler. Next Sunday afternoon, you're going to have the Green Bay Packers on the road to take on the Minnesota Vikings. Now, Minnesota had their bye week this week, and their defense must find a way to be up for the challenge to slow down the Packers' offense led by Aaron Rodgers, who is simply one of the best to have ever done it. You're going to have the Detroit Lions taking on the New Orleans Saints next Sunday afternoon, and this is a steam right now as the Saints are coming off of their bye week, and they want to try to go out there and get some momentum going for themselves as they look to put together some wins and hang around in the wild card race, the NFC. Next Sunday afternoon, you're going to have the New England Patriots taking on the New York Jets at MetLife Stadium in the Meadowlands. And I tell you like this, these are two long story rivals. There is definitely no love lost between both of these teams, especially when both of them are coming in tied 
with the same record. You're going to have the winless San Francisco 49ers taking on the 2-2 two and two Washington Redskins. Washington had a bye here in week number five, and for their sake, they I hope that they have sat back and watched some of the games that the 49ers have played this season because the last thing that the Redskins are going to do is be able to win this game easily because San Francisco is definitely going to make them pack a lunch if they want to get the victory. It'll be the one in three Chicago Bears taking on the Baltimore Ravens, and the Bears play tomorrow night as they will take on the Minnesota Vikings. And I misspoke a few week, a few moments ago when I said the Vikings had their bye. They're actually playing tomorrow night against the Bears. But for the Baltimore Ravens in this game, you want to try to find a way to keep the momentum going for yourself, especially on the defensive side of the football after what you were able to do this afternoon to the Raiders. Granted, the fact that the Raiders didn't have Derek Carr, under center, but you still want to try to find a way to keep that momentum going if you are the Ravens. It's going to be the winless Cleveland Browns taking on the Houston Texans, and of course, Houston is currently playing right now on Sunday night football against the Kansas City Chiefs, so make no mistake about it. Regardless of the fact that the uh, Browns have yet to win a game, they are definitely going to be a tough out for the Texans next Sunday afternoon. It will be the 2-2 two and two Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking on the 2-3 and three Arizona Cardinals. And, of course, Tampa Bay lost on Thursday night at home versus the New England Patriots, and they are hopeful that the extra days of rest will give them the advantage when they travel to take on the Arizona Cardinals. And for the Cards, after they were thoroughly beaten this afternoon by the Philadelphia Eagles, it is definitely back to the drawing board because what Arizona did this afternoon is not going to beat that many teams in the NFL. It will be the 3-2 and two Los Angeles Rams taking on the 3-2 and two Jacksonville Jaguars in a battle of young teams that are seeking to take the next step. And I want to see which defense is going to be up for the challenge, and I want to see which running back is going to steal the show because you look at Leonard Fournette, who is quickly making a name for himself in the NFL, and we've already seen what Todd Gurley could do as he, is a, he was the 2015 NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year. It will be the Pittsburgh Steelers next Sunday afternoon taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. And for Pittsburgh, you lay two eggs, one against the Bears, and then, of course, today against Jacksonville. What are you going to do against a team that, you know, in, in, in Kansas City that you could face in the postseason? These two teams didn't meet last January, and it was a dogfight. And for Pittsburgh, how are you going to respond after you got embarrassed this afternoon? We'll have to wait and see. It's going to be the 1-4 and four Los Angeles Chargers taking on the 2-3 and three Oakland Raiders. And I'll tell you like this, the Chargers got some momentum for themselves after they were able to go and defeat the Giants today. And I know that the Raiders won't have Derek Carr next Sunday afternoon. If I'm the Raiders and you're, you're only 2-3 and three now, the last thing that they can afford to do is look past the Chargers because the Chargers could sneak up on them and beat them. Now, next Sunday night is going to be the winless New York Giants traveling to take on the 3-1 and Denver Broncos. And Denver is coming off of their bye, and I guarantee you that this defense is licking their chops because right off the bat, you know that there's no uh, Dwayne Harris and there's no Odell Beckham at wide receiver for the Giants. So we'll still have to wait and see if Sterling Shepard and Brandon Marshall can give it a go. But I'll tell you like this. We saw what the Giants' offense looked like in week one against the Dallas Cowboys without Odell Beckham. They only had three points. So the outlook of this one is not going to be good for Big Blue. 
And then, of course, on Monday Night Football, it's an AFC South battle as you're going to have the 2-3 and three Indianapolis Colts taking on the 2-3 and three Tennessee Titans. And I know that the Colts were able to get a victory today, but they are winless away from Lucas Oil Stadium, while the Titans will definitely look to get their running game back on track. Now, looking inside of the standings right now, and you have a three-way tie for first place in the AFC East as Buffalo the Jets and New England are all three and two, while Miami is sitting right there with a record of two and two. And the AFC North, Pittsburgh and Baltimore are each uh, three and two. And after starting 0 and three, Cincinnati is just one game off of the pace in the division. Now in the AFC South, Jacksonville is currently sitting atop. The division, while the Texans are 2-2, two and two, they're in action right now against Kansas City. And then, of course, Indianapolis and Tennessee are each 2-3. Uh, and three. Now, in the AFC West, Kansas City is looking to keep the Broncos in chase mode as KC is coming into play this week with a record of 4-0. and oh. And, of course, they are playing right now on Sunday night ball. While the Broncos are 3-1, and one, they had their bye, and the Raiders are beginning to fall off if they, as they have lost their last three games. In the NFC East, the Eagles are looking like the team to beat. The Giants and Cowboys, who were at the top of this division last year, it's not looking that way for them right now as Dallas is 2-3, and three, while New York is 0-5. And, and the NFC North, Green Bay once again leads the way with a record of 4-1, and one, while Detroit is right behind them with a record of 3-2. and two. Now, Atlanta was off today, but they are a half game behind Carolina right now as the Panthers are 4-1, and one, while Atlanta is 3-1. and one. And in the NFC West, after everything has been said and done, it's the Seattle Seahawks who currently have the top spot in this division. They are tied with the Rams record-wise with 3-2. and two. However, we know since the Seahawks won the big battle this afternoon, they get the tiebreaker, and to the victors go the spoils. So, folks, that is going to wrap it up. And as always, I want to take this time out to thank you for tuning in to the 300 Pounds of Sports Knowledge Show here on blogtalkradio.com. Now, I will be back on the air uh, next Sunday night, same place, same time, this time recapping the action from week number six in the NFL season. Now, if you are on Twitter, Please feel free to follow me at 300 Pounds of Sports. And like I always say, if you follow me, it will be my pleasure to follow you right back. Also, there is the Facebook page at 300 Pounds of Sports Knowledge. You can check it out, and you are more than welcome to like it as well. You can also check me out on 300PoundsOfSportsKnowledge.com, where I fancy myself as being the total sports package for the total fan. I put up an article today about the Detroit Tigers and how they will be starting over this season after so many years in regards to being a postseason contender. As always, much love to 150 pounds of sports knowledge. She knows who she is, and without her, none of this good stuff that you are hearing is possible. And as always, much love to my wonderful daughter, Penelope. And like I always say, it is a pleasure to see her grow and grow and grow and grow and grow on a daily basis. So once again, fine folks, my name is William Martin. Take care, have a good night, and thanks once again for tuning in to the 300 Pounds of Sports Knowledge Show here on blogtalkradio.com. 